Bienvenidos a otro evento en vivo traído por Nova. Nova es una empresa que se dedica al entrenamiento de talento en Latinoamérica y el desarrollo de contenido. Y el objetivo de estos eventos es promover el desarrollo de habilidades en Latinoamérica y compartir conocimiento de temas muy importantes para gente que quiere desarrollarse en esta industria. El evento será transmitido en inglés con una presentación en pantalla y resúmenes en castellano. Es un evento donde le invitamos a utilizar la herramienta de Zoom que se encuentra en la parte baja de su pantalla haciendo clic en el botón Raise Hand. De esa forma, un miembro del equipo le dará acceso para poder participar o pueden utilizar la eh, herramienta de Q&A para escribir sus preguntas y respuestas, que también está en la barra de abajo. El evento de hoy ha tomado mucho más tiempo y trabajo poderse concretar. Animal Logic es una empresa muy importante en la industria y como podrán ver, eh, a lo largo de la presentación tiene temas muy importantes que compartir con nosotros. Así es que le daremos inicio a esta conversación y esperamos que tomen como lema propio lo siguiente. El futuro se construye hoy, no hay tiempo que perder. Nos acompaña Stephanie, que trabaja como gerente de animación digital 3D. Ya se va a presentar a sí misma. Eh, nos acompaña Nick Hoare, que es un senior recruiter de animación y BFX en Animal Logic Australia. Y quienes habla eh, con todo gusto, el director de Nova, mi nombre es Víctor. The event will be broadcast in English with an on-screen presentation and highlights in Spanish. We invite you to use the tool that Zoom has available for you at the bottom of your screen by clicking on the button that says raise hand. That way, a member of the team will be able to, ask, to give you access to speak, or you can use the Q&A section to write all your comments and questions. Today's event has taken more time, effort, and effort to achieve. Animal Logic is a very important company in the industry. And as you will see throughout the presentation, he has very important topics to share with us. So we will start this conversation and right now, and we hope you take this motto as your own. The future is built today. There's no time to waste. We're joined as part of the Nova team by Stephanie, who works as a 3D digital animation manager. Our guest, Nick Hoare, who is a senior recruiter at animation and BFX of Animal Logic Australia. And finally, who speaks to you with all my pleasure. My name is Victor. The topics we're gonna cover today are the story career about Nick Hoare and who is Animal Logic, remote work status and process of hiring for in-house job positions in Australia, tips and a bit about uh, portfolios and demo reels in areas such as concept art, modeling, rigging, look development, animation, compositing, and general, generalist position, salary ranges, a very important topic, work permits and legal requirements advices to work in Australia, and the applying and interview process. So Stephanie, why don't you start with your own introduction so we can hear Nick too. Bueno, muchísimas gracias a todos los que nos están acompañando hoy en este evento en vivo. Estamos muy entusiasmados de poder expandirles nuevos horizontes hacia oportunidades que jamás pensaron que puedan hacerse realidad. 
Entonces, para continuar, siempre los invitamos a que participen, pregunten cualquier cosa que necesiten para poder brindarles el mayor apoyo posible durante el evento. También recordarles que tengan listos sus demo reels para los que les gustaría poder presentarlos en pantalla hoy en vivo con Nick. Y solo tienen que darle clic a la mano amarilla de abajo donde dice raise hand para que nosotros podamos darle acceso a hablar. Y ponen su link de demo reel en el chat para que nosotros podamos eh, eh, presentarlo en vivo ahorita, cuando estemos en la presentación. Ahora, bien, todos queremos aquí conocer a nuestro amigo Nick, Jorge y la compañía por la cual él trabaja, ¿verdad? Llamada Animal Logic, eh, reconocida como uno de los estudios digitales creativos líderes en el mundo, produciendo diseño, efectos visuales, animación, galardonado durante 30 años con estudios en Sydney, Los Ángeles y Vancouver. Animal Logic continúa forjando nuevas asociaciones y colaboraciones con estudios y cineastas líderes para desarrollar y producir historias que resuenan con una audiencia mundial. So Nick, everyone is here, is eager to hear you, so please let's start by untangling who is making his experience as a senior recruiter and who is Animal Logic as well. Sure. Um, and thank you, Stephanie and Victor, for uh, inviting me to speak to everyone. Um, it's, a, it's a real pleasure to be able to uh, reach out uh, to our colleagues in, um, in your part of the world. Um, I have been in the industry for, oh gosh, uh, 25 years. Um, I started initially working for uh, a state film commission, uh, and I was involved in placing talent in companies like Animal Logic. Um, and through that job, I got to know Animal Logic and their needs. And when they started on their first animated feature, which was Happy Feet, uh, they asked me to come and join their recruiting team. And I've been there now for 18 years. Um, I, have, I have changed jobs within the company slightly. At one point, I was uh, the learning and development um, uh, supervisor. Um, but for most of my time there and, and currently, um, I've worked in recruitment. Animal Logic uh, has been uh, around for 31 years, started here in Sydney and started initially in visual effects for television commercials, which is quite common. Um, that's often where smaller companies start uh, their work. And then as we developed that, we started also doing visual effects for feature films, and started developing uh, a reputation for great work in that area. Um, and then um, around about 2003, we uh, had the opportunity to work on our first animated feature, which was Happy Feet. Um, from that time on, we were doing animated features and visual effects for live action films uh, at the same time, which is a little bit unusual in our industry. Um, However, uh, we were able to maintain that until about oh my goodness. three years ago when uh, we uh, decided that we wanted to focus entirely on animation. And so currently all of our, all of our projects and all of our future projects are animated features. We ha now have a sister studio in Vancouver, as you mentioned. Um, And uh, that's really great to, to kind of broaden our scope, to not just be in Australia, but to also be, uh, have a base in North America. Um, projects tend to be based 
in Sydney or Vancouver. So in other words, if, if you're working in Vancouver, you'll be working on particular shows. If you're working in Sydney, you'll be working on different shows generally. Um, but we have an incredibly full slate. Now the real for us uh, came out uh, last week and that was that Animal Logic has been acquired by Netflix. So we're now part of Netflix, which is, oh. which is quite amazing. Um, <laughs> now, I, I think the big question that always comes out there when you tell people that is, uh, oh, well, what does that mean? What does that mean for the future of Animal Logic? Well, yeah, that's a big question. It's a huge question. <laughs> um, uh, but for us, uh, the story um, that Netflix uh, are saying to us, and, that, and we have every reason to to um, to uh, uh, take them at their word because we have worked with them and we really enjoy working with them. But they have taken on board Animal Logic because they love what we do, they love the work that we do, um, and they recognise that uh, the culture that we have. Uh, that the way we form things, our, our pipeline, the people that work for us are all the things that make us unique. They don't want to change that. They don't want to step in and go, okay, we're going to start changing everything up. Um, and to that extent, they've even um, kept on Zare Nalbandian, who is the, the CEO and, and was previously the owner of Animal Logic. They've kept him on as CEO. They haven't told him to move on and they're going to move in and start changing things. So, um, yeah, it's a really, really positive move for us. Um, it, it opens up amazing resources for us in terms of their, particularly, you know, their research and development. Um, obviously, we're going to get a lot of work from them, we hope. Um, and interestingly, they're, they're still happy for us to keep working with many of our long-term partners. So we, for many years, we've worked with Warner Brothers. Netflix are absolutely fine with that. So um, it's really business as usual, but maybe business kind of ramped up. We feel like we're going to have a lot of work over the coming years. Our byline as a company is is great work with great people, um, and that's that's really recognizing that what we do is is not possible without the great people that work with us. Um, I've been really honoured to work with um, some of the most talented artists in the world at Animal Logic, um, but then you know just having great people itself is not enough. As you mentioned, the culture um, we we have had a culture that kind of grew organically over many years. And that that seemed to work quite well. But when we when we set up Vancouver, we actually went through a process where we we talked to people in the company and said, "What is it that you like about Animal Logic? What is it that you don't like about Animal Logic? What works for you? What doesn't?" And we tried to use a lot of that information to help build Vancouver and and build some of the ideas and ways that we work there. We didn't want to just copy Sydney. I mean, you know, Vancouver has its own culture, but we wanted to use some of those ideas. And having done that, we then could look back at that mirror uh, for Sydney and say, well, look, there's all this great stuff that we should we should build on. There's some things here that we need to work on. There's things that we need to change. But, yeah, there's, yeah. there's definitely uh, this organic culture, but then there's also stuff that the company's trying to build and, and encourage. We have uh, life drawing classes. We have chess club. We have uh, Thursday lunches. We... Um, we have drinks. A, a lot of the stuff that I'm talking about too has obviously been severely impacted by COVID as, as everyone yeah, has yeah. been around the world. Um, we currently, we went through a, a long period where we were working 100% from home um, and that was something that everyone around the world was doing to some extent. Um, but we managed to do that. Uh, but we're now back to a point where we're working three days a week in the studio and two days a week at home. Because up until that point, it was 
I don't know if you're aware of this, but uh, the studios that we work with were very, um, they still are very security conscious and they didn't like the idea of people working remotely. They really wanted people to work in the studio. And, and we see a lot of benefit to it too, that, that working directly physically with people, having that direct contact, that direct feedback is a really important process in developing as an artist. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's that's a point I keep making mm-hmm. to junior artists is I because we get a lot of people saying I just want to work entirely remotely, um, right. and I understand that. But I do say to them, look, if you want to if you want to grow as an artist, it it works a lot better if you're actually with people. But at the yeah. same time, we have to respect people's, you know, fear of COVID, fear of uh, of, of what that might do. But <laughs> the whole yeah, the whole uh, uh, environment has changed in that sense. We've we've managed to now come back and and start rebuilding uh, that process uh, that that culture um, and we're we're trying to do all the things that we can safely. Um, so you know we have regular Friday night drinks at the at a local pub. Um, we uh, we have all of these different social groups, as I said. We have things like um, uh, acting classes and that's not just for the animators. That's for everyone who wants to join the life drawing is for anyone who wants to join. Um, we have lots of different social clubs that jump up to some are sporting based. We have a, we have regular football games. Uh, we, we have, uh, games groups. Uh, we even have a whiskey club, I think that where people (laughs) go on. That's the best. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, culture's super important. Um, and it, it flows all the way down from the top. It's 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 based on the people who who work at the company, but it's also about all your processes through how you manage people, how you manage people's careers, um, how you uh, how you communicate. Really importantly, people feel really left out if things happen and they don't know about it. Um, you know, I think a classic example is the Netflix announcement that couldn't yeah. be announced to everyone in the company because you know there's shareholders for Netflix and it, it's all very very um careful carefully laid out that information but as soon as the company could um Zare had a had a meeting with the whole company online um and explained what was happening told them the whole process why he'd made the decision um just to make sure that everyone felt on board and they knew what was happening i think that's that's a great example of of how the company tries to be inclusive to inform people, but to have a good structure and to know so people know how decisions are made. Yep, great. So it has it has made your job uh, a little bit different because it was not on your table to deal with that kind of things. Now you had to work on the communication and you know bring people in and explaining what's going on and all that, right? Exactly. Yeah. Great. And- I mean, my my da- my day to day job with the Netflix uh, acquisition hasn't changed. Uh, our projects are still continuing. Um, I mean, it may change over time, but for the moment, um, it's very much business as usual. How about hiring? How about hiring from other countries? Uh, do you think that's going to be changed? It's going to be it's going to be upgraded. It's going to be an an impact on that. Um, well, that uh, it's an interesting question. You mean in terms of the Netflix acquisition? Yeah. Um, I, I don't think it will change a great deal. I think we will continue doing what we've done in the past, which is um, getting the best talent that we can from around the world. That, again, was severely impacted by COVID. We got to a point where we simply could not bring anyone into the country. Australia closed down its borders and we couldn't do that. We're now we're now back on the other side of that and we are able to do that. So, yeah, we're going to continue to get um, the best people from 
around the world and at different levels too. It's not just the super seniors. Um, we're still going to be looking for um, great seniors, great mids uh, that we can bring from other countries. The more junior, junior levels, um, it's harder in terms of visas and stuff to get those people into the country. But um, we are we are looking out for those people as well when they become available. Um, but yeah, we we will continue to uh, get the best people that we can from around the world. Nick, um, as as you know, and and all over the world, we know there's a, an essence and there's a, a lot of talent in Latin America, and there is a, a a very unique perspective and contrast as far as culture, as far as uh, style, as far as talent, as far as you know. Uh, everything that you can find in artists in, in, in this side of the world. And you mentioned, I guess, that you had already people from Argentina and Brazil working in the company. Is that right? We do. Yes. Uh, I think okay. we have somebody from Peru also. Um, oh, okay. that's uh, great. Further, further up a bit, I guess, um, uh, we've had a couple of uh, people from Mexico. Um, so, yeah, yeah, we... Um, there's actually a really good um, Spanish language um, culture within Animalogic. We have a lot of Spaniards, of course. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, so uh, yeah, you often hear Spanish being spoken in the corridors. But yeah, it's 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 a whole new world that's opening up for us in terms of talent, and we're really excited about it. Great. So in order to increase the presence, uh, and basically what's that's what we at Nova would like to see in the future with all these events and all the networking that we are providing with the people that get connected with our programs too, uh, we would like to understand the in-house job positions and what do you have for the future or the remote work? How does how does that work? Yeah. Um the the opportunities for remote work are are going to be limited by what our clients will allow us to do so uh, with or and also on what uh, incentive deals we have so what often happens is we're we're based within a state within Australia called New South Wales and the New South Wales government uh, we will apply to for incentives to have a project based here in in our state and part of that deal will be okay we you have to employ people living in New South Wales they don't have to be citizens you can bring them in but uh, we actually get penalised for each person that's working outside of the state. So we, we lose some of that incentive. So there's always this pressure on the producers to not uh, allow remote positions. They still do when we have very important positions. Um, but uh, And, and when, we, when we get incredibly desperate towards the end of a show, there will be opportunities for some remote work. Um, and I think... With the changes that have occurred because of COVID, I, I think there will be more opportunities for remote work. Um, I think those the the things that have constrained us from doing uh, or offering remote positions um, are changing, and people are realizing that we're going to have to do more of that in the future. But our ideal situation is still to get people into the country. So that's a process of applying for visas, which is something that we do. The company applies for work visas. Um, we have to get various documentation from from people to get their visas so it's always right. a, a something that you help us with but it's also something that we've got a lot of practice in and we know a lot about how that works um, it's still a bit mysterious because it's a big government department that doesn't tell you everything that you necessarily need to know but um, <laughs> but 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 it's a great team here at animal that does uh, that part of things as well so limited opportunities for remote work. Um, 
but we we are always looking to try and give people opportunities to come and join us in Sydney or Vancouver. Okay, so when you talk about in-house job opportunities um, uh, within a year or two years, how many people are you bringing? Well, how many positions um, might be open? Do you think? Yeah, it's 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 an interesting question because the numbers in our studio are constantly changing. As shows wind down, people are leaving, but then another show will be building up, so other people are walking in the door at the same time. Um, currently, uh, Sydney uh, has about four hundred people. Um, wow. Most of them are working on a show called The Magician's Elephant. It's in its oh. final three months or so, um, but we're just starting to ramp up on uh, the uh, shrinking of the tree horns, uh, which is a Netflix show. And, in fact, The Magician's Elephant is also a Netflix show. Um, and so we're going to be looking for positions on that. So I think over the next uh, 12 months, in fact, we're going to be hiring for that right through to the end of 2023. Uh, um, we're probably going to be looking for between 200 and 300 people for Sydney. Wow, 200 people. Yeah, Sydney. Wow. Uh, Van Vancouver is um, going to be probably looking for uh, probably about uh, another hundred people uh, oh. on the shows that they currently have. Um, yeah, that is interesting. That is interesting. Yeah. And are you are you are you do you have, do you have oversight of over whatever is happening in the Americas, or do you just take uh, cover the, the Australia sector? Do you put your hands on everything on on the other side? We we are a global recruitment group, but. The recruiters based in Sydney are more concentrated on what's happening in Sydney and the recruiters in Vancouver are more concentrated on Vancouver. But because it ebbs and flows and, and one bit one office will get busier than the other, we help each other out. So I'll put my hand up and say to Vancouver, okay, I can do those roles for you and they'll do the same for us. We right. meet on a very regular basis and talk to each other about what we're doing. So we we have good oversight of what what both uh, areas are looking for, and we can then also make recommendations to Vancouver, and they'll do the same for us. So um, concept is is number one. So um, we look for uh, sketchbook examples. Our head of art and design, Jane Millage, loves to see your sketchbook. It's it's unedited. It's like looking inside your head. She loves to see how people think. Um, we like to see examples of different characters or creatures, um, both two-legged and four-legged, so quad quadrupedal and bipedal. We like mm -hmm. to see uh, examples of uh, environments. Uh, we like to see organic surfaces. We like to see hard surfaces. Um, it's great to see uh, examples of your concept work in the finished state. So you can show us the concept and then show us the finished shot. So how it actually worked out in the shot that you did that for. Um, I think it's great to uh, obviously have nicely laid out work as well. So um, uh, showing us uh, that you've got a good eye by the way you've laid out your website, by the way you've laid out your portfolio, um, stylistically, you know, consistent across what you're showing us. Um, and, sh and importantly, showing us a good range. So I think every artist has certain styles that they enjoy and that they like working on. But of course, when you work for a company or on a project, that's not necessarily going to be the style uh, that you super love. So um, it's good to show us that you've got a broad range of skills, that you can do different styles, that you can do different types of things so that we know if we give you a project, you're going to be able to handle it no matter what it is. 
Um, I'll move on to modeling. Um, it's uh, good to see uh, your reference materials. So, you know, maybe uh, photographs or, or concept drawings that you've based your model on so that we can see how well you've matched that. Um, again, uh, if you're doing character or creature modeling, um, good to see a range of different types of characters and creatures. So maybe, uh, you know, two-legged, four-legged, eight-legged um, uh, creatures. Um, it's good to see uh, examples of both organic modeling, so trees and creatures, uh, as well as uh, hard surface things like vehicles or buildings or, or props. Um, Often we find that people kind of gravitate one way or the other. They like doing organic or they like doing hard surface. But it's again, it's good to show us that you can do both because that means that you can you can move from one part. We, because we're such a big company, we do tend to become deep uh, what we call departmentalized. So we have a modeling department, but then that's probably split up into creature modelers and uh, hard surface modelers. Um, and uh, being able to move from one to the other just makes you a bit more flexible and we can we can uh, get more work from you. Um, ideally for a modeler, we would like to see uh, a turntable of the object that you've that you're showing us. Um, it would be good to see uh, wireframes of that object so we can see um, how you've put together the the wireframe. Um, it's also good to, if possible, see your, your character or your environment model in a finished shot again so that we can see how well that's worked in with, with what you're doing. Um, rigging. Um, so uh, with rigging, uh, again, I keep saying this, uh, bipedal and quadrupedal, so two-legged and four-legged, um, good to see uh, uh, both of those. Good to see, you know, light little things like birds and then maybe big heavy things like elephants or horses just to just to show uh, again your range. Um, it's good to see uh, an example of uh, maybe a particular rig that you're that you're particularly proud of, showing us a full run through of all of the features of that rig, but sped up because obviously to show us all the features may take a long time. It might, might take 20 minutes to run through everything and, and nobody's going to sit through a 20 minute reel. But if you can speed it up, that's the typical thing that riggers do. They'll have it sped up so we'll see 20 minutes of working through all the different features in maybe 30 seconds. Um, Do you find it more difficult to find good riggers compared yes. to modeling and concept? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Riggers um, are a they're, they're a different breed, and and rigging has changed over the years too. In the old days, it used to be a lot of kind of plug and play and kind of WYSIWYG setups. Nowadays, our riggers are very technical. They're writing a lot of code. They're using Python extensively. Um, so yes, it is. It is a difficult uh, area to find to find uh, good riggers. I, I might um, I might go ahead of myself because I think we're gonna get there. But um, uh, before I forget, and because the slide is gonna it's gonna disappear, uh, mm. rigging and compositing. What do you think mm. about the two? Which is more difficult to find? Oh, that's that's a good question. Um, I I think riggers actually. Uh, but, uh, but the caveat I would put in there is that we've had a lot of trouble finding compositors recently. When we did Peter Rabbit 2, we had a department of 60 compositors. And we, were, we were able to um, staff that, that whole group of 60 compositors. We've struggled recently just to find a, a couple of, of compositors. Um, again, this is an effect of COVID. I think there's, there's a, weirdly COVID means that there's a lot of work out there. 
Uh, I don't quite understand why. I think there's also the the extra problem that people haven't been able to move. So typically, we would bring a lot of compositors into the into the country for a project, and then they'd all go back home again. Um, but yeah, we have really struggled uh, with with uh, finding good compositors uh, over the last year or so, or couple of years. Um, but but typically, over the history has shown that um, riggers are potentially harder to get in the long run. Um, okay. Ones. Okay. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm asking this because uh, we at Nova, we're trying to find places where people can be trained. So mm -hmm. uh, this is the second time, I guess, right, Stephanie? We were talking about about the same subjects with other companies, saying they said exactly the same thing. I think rigging, rigging, and compositing would be something that is not that easy. All, on the other side, they said that compositing requires a different kind of skills. Um, yes. It's not that the right side of the brain is kind of moving towards the left too. They have to be very creative and they have to be in a different type of schooling. Typically, um, what we look for uh, is uh, reference material. Again, so concepts and photos that you might have started with. Um, we'll look for turntables. Um, we like to see both characters and environment. Uh, we like to see organic and hard surface work. Um, we like to see realistic UVs, uh, if possible, um, and grooming, um, and also uh, any shading work you might have been involved in. Again, that that can be quite technical, but uh, yeah, that's that's the kind of technical side of uh, look development that we uh, that we always keep an eye out for. Um, animation. Um, so uh, again, good to see a, a range of work, uh, both uh, realistic and uh, cartoony, um, uh, but also a range in terms of uh, the actual uh, uh, performance that you're showing us. So you might have uh, character acting and it might be uh, super physical. There's a fight scene and we love to see that, the really big physical stuff. It shows us your knowledge of, of physicality. Um, you know, maybe carrying big, heavy loads, that sort of thing. But then it's also good to show stuff that is really subtle, maybe very emotional, maybe a character's having a terrible time and is broken and, and slumped in a chair, barely moving. Um, but you get a real sense of what's going on inside that person's head with very little movement. So being able to show that that range of ability is really important. We like to see walk walk cycles, run cycles, fly cycles. A lot of people think that they're too simplistic, but um, we really like to see that. It shows us exactly how well you've got your head around uh, uh, physicality and, and cycles. Um, uh, animal acting uh, is, uh, is important, so uh, including lip synchronisation. Um, of course, with uh, character acting also, lip synchronisation. Now, generally what we say to people too in most reels is, look, we're probably going to turn the sound off and we're not going to listen to the music because it's not important for what we're looking at and it can, can kind of unfairly affect the way you look at something. The, the exception is with lip sync. Uh, if you've got lip sync in your reel, we're going to turn the sound up and we're going to see how well the voice matches that. And so it's important to think about if you if you do have music, you've got to drop that music right down when the lip sync's there. Otherwise, it's just going to get in the way and, and not help us understand whether you've done a good job or not. Um, number six, generalists. So um, I did point out that we don't tend to at animal employ generalists, but I still want to talk about it because it's it's an important 
part of the industry and a lot of people that we work with are generalists, but but we will give them a very specific role. Um, so uh, as with all the reels, we want you to do uh, to put together your very best work only. Um, maybe separate your reel up into disciplines. So show us your lighting shots and then show us your animation and show us your rigging, whatever, whatever the different uh, disciplines are that you want to cover. Um, you can also have separate reels for each discipline, but that's a lot of work. I understand that. But um, I think if you are trying to get a job as a generalist, then you do want to show your whole range. So probably good to have a, a reel that uh, shows all, all that you can. Um, but you also need this, and this is going to contradict what I've just said, you also need to keep your reel quite short. Uh, and that's that's always difficult. But um, I think, you know, keeping it between 60 seconds and two minutes um, is, is probably the ideal. Um, uh, always uh, a, a general point, I, again, I would make about all reels is having a shot breakdown that tells us what exactly you've done because, uh, you know, any, any finished shot that somebody might have on their reel might have had 100 people touch it. And we don't know exactly what you've done. So tell us exactly what you've done in that shot. Tell us what uh, what software you used. Tell us what the project was that you were working on. Uh, tell us the company you were working for and tell us when you did it. So we know that, oh, that's something that you did in the last six months or it's something that you did five years ago. That's all very relevant for us. Now, you can show us that in basically two different ways. One is to have it as an on-screen title uh, on on your reel itself, and then the other way is to have a separate document, a breakdown sheet that goes through shot by shot and tells us exactly what you've done in each of those shots. Um, moving on to lighting, um, show us uh, character lighting, obviously, which which is going to focus more in on the on the characters themselves, but also environment lighting, uh, very important, um, showing us. Uh, maybe uh, uh, the ambient lighting that's not necessarily there to highlight anything, but it's giving a background. Um, show us day lighting, show us night lighting, show us interiors and exteriors. Um, always show us moving images, not stills. Um, uh, our supervisors really don't like stills because in their mind, it's a lot easier to cheat with a still, but with a moving shot, we get a really good sense of how you've covered um, everything in terms of lighting. Um, lighting, uh, it's also good to show us uh, particularly concepts that you might have worked from, um, look boards, those sorts of things that you've actually based it on and seeing how closely or showing how closely you've been able to match that. Um, compositing, um, uh, show us the initial live plate that you're, you're compositing to, um, then maybe show us the separate CG elements and then show us the finished shots. There might be multiple um, stages in there uh, as well as, as you show us how you work through particular problems. That's good, good to show us. Um, again, show us a range of work. Uh, there might be the big stuff, you know, explosions and large buildings crashing and things that are, you know, quite impressive in terms of what you've been able to composite um, onto that scene and, and where it's, it's really obvious where the CG is. But then also show us the uh, the the less um, I guess uh, impressive stuff visually, but the the stuff that's just as important, which is this the hidden visual effects. So maybe you're doing rig removal or object removal. Maybe there's you know telegraph lines in a shot, and they they want to get rid of those. 
Now, to look at the finished shot, I wouldn't know that that was there. It's not obvious to me that anything's been done, but showing us how you've been able to do those invisible effects um, is is a really good uh, thing to be able to do. Um, I guess a general point I would make about about reels in particular. So most of what I've been talking about here are show reels. So that infers a, a video, um, and and these days uh, pretty much all online, um, whether it's Vimeo or YouTube or whatever it might be. Keep them short. Only show us your absolutely best work. Um, a, a, a classic mistake that a lot of people at the beginning of their careers make is, well, I don't have any really amazing shots, but I've, I, I can pack out the reel and put lots of work on there and that will impress people. It doesn't, unfortunately. You just end up with a really long reel that that is full of not great work and people aren't going to watch that. So keep keep it as short as you need to to only have your very best work on there. Um, keep reviewing your work as well. So uh, over time, keep going back to your reel and saying to yourself, okay, I've had that shot on there for a long time. Maybe it's my weakest shot. Maybe I should think about replacing it. I've just done this new work and that's really good. I'll put that in and I'll take the the, the bad shot out. Another thing that we notice is that uh, often on certain people's reels, you, you, you get a sense of a shot that must have been really hard and that they're emotionally really invested in but it's not necessarily a great shot. They know that it was really hard and they went through all of this process, but in terms of showing your best work, it isn't necessarily the best thing to put on there. So just be aware of that, that you can get really emotionally attached to things that don't necessarily need to be on your reel. Um, make sure your contact details are on there. So uh, at the very beginning of your reel and at the very end of your reel, so your name and your email address are the absolute essentials, but you can also have your phone number, maybe where you're located, what city, um, and maybe any other links, maybe to LinkedIn or to maybe perhaps you've got a website, any of those sorts of relevant information, have them at the beginning and the end of your of your reel. Typically, uh, we would we would suggest that you you decide which is your best and your second best shot and you put one of them at the beginning of your reel and one at the end. So you start good and you end good. Um, uh, we often have discussions at work about whether you should have your best shot first or your best shot last, but I don't think it really matters. We have yeah. a question, Nick, that I think would be very relevant. Yeah. And it says, Rachel Jimenez. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for this webinar. I have a question for Nick Hoare. What do you think about the talent from people with special conditions? For example, people with Asperger's syndrome. Nice to meet mm. you all. Asperger is, is a kind of autism. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's an interesting question. It's it's something that we have noticed that there, there are particular areas in our industry that that seem to um almost suit people with uh well, particularly people who are on that on that autism spectrum, um, uh, particularly very technical jobs, um, uh, software developers, uh uh TDs, technical directors. Um uh yeah, I think um we certainly have we, we we would like to think we have no barriers there we like to think that we're as inclusive as we can be um and um yeah i i think i've i've certainly seen people uh in my career who have had uh those kind of conditions um and have have yeah had amazing talents and and have been able to produce really great work i guess the thing to think about is you know how how do you how how do you think um, and I'm not assuming that you you have necessarily uh, uh, are in that in that situation. But if you did, 
Um, how do you feel that you would work with teams of people working to deadlines, working in a structured environment? Um, I think uh, if, if they're, they're places that you think you can go to and that you can deal with, I'd be out there. I'd be, I'd be showing people your work and, and trying to get that work. Um, That's a think, great answer. That's a great answer, yeah. 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 yeah, I think at the end of the day, there, there are no perfect human beings. We all have our faults. We all yeah. have things about us that we would like to change or, or like to improve. But I think we all have to accept who we are and just get on, get on with it. Uh, and hopefully, organisations like ours can can be supportive of that. Thank you, thank you. That's thank uh, you. that talks a lot about you and your company. So thank you for that answer, uh, Nick. Yeah. Um, uh, many graduates and professionals are in search for new challenges as you have been seeing in their career lives and trying to apply for many companies, improve their portfolios, skills, their financial situation and better and bet for a better life in other countries perhaps or a simple working remote in their home country with better salaries. So mm -hmm. in general, with in general views, what are the salaries for positions that we have been uh, reviewing today for a journalist or a lightning or an animator what is the the overview for that for the salary that yeah it's um it it is one of those uh i'm not sure if you're familiar with this expression it's the length of a piece of string which is um it, it can be anything um but um to give you an idea of what i mean it, there it is a broad range if if you're looking at a sort of an entry-level position in um, in 3D in most fields, uh, in compositing, um, even in uh, I, I think a TD role, um, you'd be looking in Australia at probably starting around about um, uh, fifty thousand Australian dollars per year, um, and then you know that can range up uh, again in the in the the more junior roles up to um, 60, maybe 70 after you've got a bit of experience. Um, Mid-level um, uh, positions, and I am being general, I'm kind of lumping everyone yeah. into the into the <laughs> same group, but mid-level, which is probably inferring that you've got perhaps um, three years experience, um, you're probably looking at 80, 90,000. Um, and, then, and then we're starting to look at seniors um, where it's getting well up over a hundred thousand. Um, the next level up from a senior would be a lead. So typically, say in a lighting department on a on an animated feature, we like to keep each team within that whole department to about 10, 11, 12 people, and each of those groups will have a lead. So say say you're you've got a team of thirty five people in the lighting department, you will split them into three groups of about 11 or 12 each and each will have a lead so that's the next step up from being a senior um so that's you know that's probably looking at um yeah 110 120,000 um and then su supervisors are looking after whole departments um that's getting way up above that and that's yeah that's um yeah probably 120 130 140 that's um, $100,000 US dollars uh, I'm talking. I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was talking about Australian dollars, which is slightly oh, less than okay. a US dollar, but um, but is is very similar to the Canadian dollar. The Australian and Canadian dollar are very right. similar. I think Canadian slightly more, and then the US dollars a uh, bit higher. Um, just a, an an interesting point too, though. I, I talk about all those different levels. 
one thing to consider is as you go up through those levels, once you get to being a senior and you then take that next step up to being a lead, you're actually working less on box and you're managing people more. It's a different kind of job. And, and a number of people have taken that step. Uh, I've seen them take that step and then not regret it, but decide that they want to go back to being just simply a senior. They just want to be on box. They just want to do the work that they love doing. And they don't feel that managing people is what they want to do for their careers because it's a, it's a very different role. And certainly when you get to being a supervisor, you're no longer doing shots at all. So yeah. uh, that can be very difficult and very challenging for some people. So think about that at longer term. That's that's a long way down the track for a lot of people. But um, think about whether whether you want to go there. Is it fair to say that compositing people might, might move to a manager position faster? Uh, compositors? Mm-hmm. Uh, not not necessarily. Um, I, I guess you have to think about too about the the structure of any of any kind of organisation. It's usually a bit of a pyramid, so you know there's only a few people that can be at the top. Um, so that's a limiting factor. There's also years of experience. There's also range of experience. So you might have had a lot of range of experience just within animation. That'll make it probably a bit difficult, more difficult for you to step up in visual effects and vice versa. If you've got a lot of visual effects experience, that's not as valuable in animation. It's a different kind of compositing. Um, but yeah, the, the management role, it really depends on the person um, and, and what their career goals are and the amount of experience that they've got. Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that they advance any more quickly than um, than other. Uh, yeah. disciplines it will depend on soft skills and the the kind of yep. vision and the future that drawing for themselves yeah it's a different yep. and, story for everybody yeah and the opportunities that they get along the way yep okay, and, and nick how how can a person when apply to a position how how is it to i mean what are the steps that are the basic mm. steps to apply yeah or in okay. how you can get the chances like get more chances to get to that job sure um well i think it's it's actually all fairly obvious and basic stuff but I think unless you have somebody actually say it to you it, it can sometimes um, um, slip past you but I think uh, number one is is obviously having great work that you can show people so looking at your reel making sure it's the best reel that you can put together show it to other people show it to your friends maybe fellow students or lecturers get their feedback take take that with a grain of salt and decide whether or not it's good advice but 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 take it on board. Um, I, I always say to people, look, if you show your showreel to your parents, they'll probably say, that's lovely, that's wonderful. <laughs> they, don't, they don't necessarily know what they're talking about. I don't want to disrespect anyone's parents, but you should show it to people who know what they're talking about. So have, have really good material. Then, right. then, start, then start doing your homework, um, going and looking at, uh, particularly at company websites, um, finding out what jobs are out there. Um, Uh, and and then from those websites, look at what the process is that they outline. So if you go to our website, um, you will see that we've got uh, our jobs lined up for Sydney and our jobs lined up for Vancouver. Um, they're actually listed alphabetically. We've tried to make it uh, make sense to people when they go there. When you click on it, it will describe the role. It'll There's a bit of kind of advertising in the first paragraph, but it will describe the role. It will describe what it is we need for somebody to, to fill mm -hmm. that role. So read that carefully. Um, it's often very exciting when you see a role and you think, that's the job for me. That's the exact title I've been looking for. And you'll race through the ad and not really pay much attention. But do take the time to read it and make sure that 
you don't necessarily have to hit every every nail on the head, but you should you should be covering most of the bases that they're describing in the ad. Then the next step is to look at what what they tell you to do to apply. So you okay. follow their follow their their instructions carefully, uh, and yeah, make sure that you've got a, a good resume that you've put together. Um, a, a good resume um, is should be a fairly simple document, but making something simple is often very hard. So try and keep it um, compact. Your resume um, have your name clearly on it. Have all your contact details clearly on it have your experience in what we call reverse chronological order. So your most recent job first and then and then backwards through time. Uh, show your educational uh, qualifications. Um, early in your career, you can talk about stuff, uh, experience that you've had that maybe is not within our industry. So, you know, maybe you worked at McDonald's for five years. That's mm-hmm. good for us to know early in your career because we look at that and we go, okay, they've been able to do um, a structured job uh, within uh, a fairly corporate environment uh, with uh, a, a particular structure in place and and do things and they've been able to maintain that job. So that tells us something about you. as as you get further on in your career, you can drop that stuff off your off your resume. Um, so you follow the instructions. I, one step I've kind of jumped forward past two is is the whole idea of networking. So oh yeah expanding your network which is going to tell you about jobs it's also going to tell you about how to you know give you tips on how to do things it's going to uh but but most importantly it's going to give you leads into jobs um there is a hidden uh job market out there which is jobs that get given to people or people earn or 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 acquire without that job ever actually having been advertised and that's because somebody knows somebody who knows somebody and they say, "Oh, you're looking for a rigger. I know. I know this guy is just finishing up at at this other company, and he's looking for something. Bang! That person's in there. They didn't even advertise the jobs filled. So that's that's part of networking. Um, networking in terms of just meeting people. So um, you know, meeting recruiters, meeting supervisors, going to events, whether they're online like this or real, and just saying hello to people, putting your face out there, making sure that they they you put a little bit of an impression in their mind so that when maybe your resume falls in front of them, they go, oh, I know this person. I met them at that SIGGRAPH meet or uh, I saw them on that Neova um, webinar. Um, <laughs> so, um, you know, I've, I've spoken to three people, potential employees um, here today. So they've already made an impression on me. So as much of that as you can do to build your network um, find out about who your peers are too. It's not just about people who might give you a job, but it it's it's a lot about people who you might work with at some point in the future. So using all of those things to help you find out about jobs. So you've you've gone to the website, you've you've gone through their instructions, you've followed them carefully, you've put your your application in. Maybe you get knocked back, and that that's going to be quite common uh, that you'll get a, a polite response back. I hope where uh, the company will say, sorry, this is not the job for you. Um, yeah. don't, ta- don't take that personally. That's going to happen a lot in your career. It happens to everyone. And it's not, we're not trying to be mean or anything. Um, we want you to succeed. We want you to get that job because every person that gets a job makes my job easier. So I, I want <laughs> you to get that job. But I also don't want to put you in a job that's not right for you. 
because mm-hmm. that's just setting you up to fail and that's not nice for anyone it's not it's definitely not nice for you it's not nice for us as employers um so we try and we try and uh, put the right people into the right jobs so don't don't take it personally but do try and learn from it if you can get some feedback um that's great um if you can think about if you don't get feedback then try and go through it in your own mind and figure out what you think maybe you could do to improve. But certainly don't stop applying. You've got to keep applying. You've got to keep in maybe trying to think about how to improve your approach, maybe improve your reel. Um, yeah. The, the next step is maybe maybe you do get a call back and, and you are asked if you want to do an interview. That's great. Again, follow their instructions. Be sure that you're clear on exactly what they're telling you in terms of, you know, when it is, <clears throat> what's required, how long uh, you need to do the interview for. Many interviews nowadays are online, which is great. It actually makes it a lot more accessible for everyone. But sometimes you'll have a physical interview. They'll actually ask you to come into the into the studio. Um, what you can do is practice interviews, again, with your peers. So other students that you've worked with or your family, just sit down and take turns at being the candidate and also take turns being the nasty recruiter who's going to ask you all the bad questions, uh, maybe the, the the very technical um, supervisor, but really, really push the questions, but also do the easy questions so that you know that you can handle those as well. Um, think about what your answers are going to be. Keep them nice and concise, your, your answers. Not too short, not one word, not two words. You know, have a <laughs> couple of sentences. Often people get very nervous in interviews and it means that they just rabbit on. They go on and on like I'm doing right now. Um, <laughs> I'm, I must be nervous. Um, but, but just be aware of that. Be aware that you can you, that you can get nervous. That can also make people a little bit arrogant or appear arrogant, unfortunately. Um, so just, just be aware of that. Be aware of yourself in the interview. If you're feeling really nervous, you can even say to the interviewers, I feel really nervous, and everyone will, will take that into account. So practice your interviews, uh, get your answers down pat, have a list of questions that you want to ask too. That's always impressive that you thought about the company, about the project. Maybe you've got questions about the individuals you're going to meet because often you'll be told you're going to meet with Nick, you're going to meet with John, the supervisor, and you can look them up on LinkedIn. You can find out about their past. You can find out what they've done. You can ask them questions. Um, And that's a really good thing to do because what you do by doing that is you put the focus off you and onto that other person and they feel valued whether or not they don't think it but subliminally they're thinking oh this person knows about me that's great um so uh you go through the interview uh make sure you acknowledge everyone in the interview too so the very quiet person in the corner who doesn't speak at all might be the one who actually makes the decision so make eye contact with everyone thank everyone be clear what the next steps are so ask that um what what's the next stage um and then you have to wait uh, if they've said we'll get back to you in a couple of days, give them a couple of days, maybe give them a week, and then get back to them and say, hey, just checking back about the interview. Now, again, maybe you get a knockback. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you get rejected. Don't take it personally. You've you've taken a further step. You've had an interview. You've met those people. You've actually furthered your career already. So that's a good thing. Try and, again, try and get some feedback and try and figure out how you can improve. Um Maybe you get a call back. Maybe, maybe they say, okay, that was good. You you got through the interview. Be, be sure what the next steps are. So it might be a second interview. It might be a technical task that they ask you to do. It might, they might ask you for references. 
So be ready to to do whatever it is that they need to do. Um, and look, it's after that. It's you know I hope you get the job, but if you don't, uh, or even if you do, it's it's kind of rinse and repeat. You're going to go through this process a lot of times. So you need to to some extent be comfortable in it. Everyone feels a bit nervous in an interview, even the people who are interviewing you. So just go through that process of practicing yeah. and being familiar with with how that works. Um, and, and yeah, most of all, be respectful. Everyone you meet, be respectful. The process, be respectful of that. Um, obviously, if people are rude to you, you don't need to, you don't need to, uh, uh, I guess say thank you. That. Yeah, say thank you um, and move on. Um, but yeah, yeah. So that's that's kind of the very quick overview of of the process of finding a job. Uh, before we started the webinar, we we talked about the the coaching. Um, I asked you is if in the future there might be an option for for animal logic and maybe through your department you have uh, some coaches uh, for mm. people in Latin America. I just leave that on the table because that might be that might be something real in the future, people. Mm. So um, that we can have someone from Australia. Australia right now is eleven twenty a.m. and we are seven twenty p.m. right now. So it, it's kind of yeah. very interesting that uh, I can have a coach talking to me at eight p.m. and they he might be at noon, you know, which is yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. And I'm not it a busy really well. Yeah, it's Friday there, so it's like, wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. And as I mentioned to you, Victor, I think Animal Logic is going into an interesting stage with its. We we have a learning and development department that looks after all kind of external engagement as well as internal training, and we're going into an interesting period, um, and I hope that there there will be some great initiatives coming up in the future, and and I, I would love to see us doing more coaching. Well, thank you, everybody. Thank you, Nick. It was a pleasure speaking with you about all these amazing opportunities and also advices you gave us during this event. Opening doors means giving away new opportunities and relations in life. Y también quiero agradecerles a todos que forman parte, que forman parte de este evento y esperamos que les haya servido muchísimo y poder compartir con Nick y con Nova de temas relevantes que muchos estudiantes ya sea recién graduados o que están estudiando todavía o que sean ya profesionales en la industria de América Latina desean tener este tipo de temas presentes. Y también queríamos a todos ustedes invitarlos a que nos sigan en nuestras redes sociales para que estén pendientes de próximos eventos, podcasts, noticias que se estarán llevando a cabo durante todo este año. Y bueno, uh, Nick, we would like to hear your final words to our audience, please. Um, it's it's been great to uh, to meet everyone. Um, obviously, Stephanie and Victor, but also the the others I've spoken to, but also the entire audience. Uh, I think I think the the industry that we work in is an, a really exciting international one. I would love to see uh, more candidates coming from uh, your part of the world, um, and I look forward to hearing from you. Please feel free to contact me. You can find me on LinkedIn. Um, and yeah, I, I look forward to hopefully being a part of your future careers. Great. Thank you. Great. Thank you, Victor. Excellent. And thank you, Stephanie.